0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to School Talks. Here are your headlines today. Wall Street slides on Fed taper talk as minutes show officials making plans to pull back the pace of monthly bond purchases before the end of the year. U.S. authorities back booster shots in a bid to prevent the spread of the Delta variant, defying criticism from the WHO that nations need more help first.
2: My administration has been planning for this possibility, in this scenario, for months. We purchased enough vaccine and vaccine supplies so that when your eight-month mark comes up, you'll be ready to get your vaccination free.
3: U.S. retailers and chipmakers deliver more quarterly earnings beat, but Nvidia flags altering crypto chip sales and warns of delays across its supply chains. And Robinhood revenues double in the second quarter, but shares fall as the trading app warns of slowing activity. And elsewhere, we have the president in exile from Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, delivering a video message, actually from the UAE, saying the peace process has failed as he plans to return to Afghanistan to fight for, quote, actual Islamic values.
1: On the language from the Fed yesterday and what it means for taper talk, the Fed Reserve is planning to reduce its monthly asset purchases this year, and that it's crucial as you take a look at the investor sentiment now all this according to minutes from the central bank's latest meeting officials said they have met their inflation targets while confirming they are close to being satisfied with employment levels but a broad consensus on when the fed will start to taper was not disclosed fomc members also expressed concern over the spread of the delta variant so consensus seeking is where jay is at and you can see the markets pulling back as they digested the latest from the minutes a reversal Of just over one percent on the Dow, on the S&P, Nasdaq down a little bit less than that. So pulling back away from these fresh records, we've been talking about the very narrow leadership from market participants that has unlocked these recent rallies. And to the downside, uh, one of the big movers for the Dow was Goldman Sachs. That was uh, one of the big movers to the upside previously. So a reversal there in the big banking stock. Elsewhere, Apple having an impact too on the S&P and the NASDAQ. But uh, stock markets are certainly a little bit more nervous at this stage. And we did note uh, there'd been a slight pickup in volatility a day earlier. So a reversal uh, setting in across the board and mostly by sectors too. One exception was consumer discretionary, but don't forget, That has been driven by a lot of earnings this week from big retailers. Elsewhere across the board, uh, sectors were trading in the red. Treasuries. Uh, look at how the bond markets anticipated the latest Fed minutes. It was not uh, any runaway direction for a change in settlement for some of those bond traders, as you can see, very much still trapped in this range of roughly one and a quarter percent on that U.S. ten-year yield. The dollar, though, we have seen slightly higher ranges in recent sessions. Uh, this is how we're looking: morning session, sterling, euro on the back foot. You can see both uh, falling just over a quarter one percent versus the greenback. The dollar is supported versus the Japanese yen and also getting ground. Versus the Chinese currency, so across the board, it is a story of dollar strength today. The commodities complex, WTI and Brent, are suffering more falls yesterday and in the minutes. So you could see that various participants were concerned still about the impact of that delta variant. Those concerns have been very much expressed in recent weeks around the commodity space, particularly around oil. And Brenton WTI reversing morning session again. Gold has not had much of a bid. And you can see down half of a percent even in the morning trade. Asia, a look at those markets as they also eye any Fed moves. And you can see it is a reversal as well, particularly for that Hong Kong market. 1.8% of the downside and also some decent pullbacks for the other markets from Australia right up to Japan. Steve.
3: Karen, good morning to you. Right. Okay. Well, we've got a man now who's paid vast amounts of money to disseminate what was going on in those minutes as well. Uh, Valentin Marinoff is the managing director and head of G10 FX Research at Credit Agricole CIB. Good morning, Valentin. Very nice to de- uh, see you this morning. Uh, what did you make? What were the exciting bits uh, in the uh, FOMC minutes?
4: Well, certainly, the one bit that uh, certainly came across rather well for the dollar bulls was the fact that the Fed has finally reached a consensus on the need to taper. There was some uncertainty regarding the timing, but uh, it is the case that the Minutes were quite clear that there is a majority now at the FOMC in favour of reducing the pace of asset purchases uh, later this year. And on the back of that, you would expect that that will continue to boost the yield and rate appeal of the dollar uh, vis-à-vis, especially vis-à-vis the uh, lower yield, are out, out uh, there, and that could mean that dollar strength could become a more dominant theme uh, into the uh, fourth quarter, really, into, uh, uh, into the end of uh, the year.
3: Valentin, why? Uh, I mean, I, I get the fact that the dollar is rallying, uh, the dollar index up 0.7% week today. But there's absolutely zip conclusion about interest rates going up at any stage in the next 12 months or so. Why would the dollar balls be heartened by what they heard from the minutes?
4: Well, I guess a couple of uh, things. Obviously, on the day, uh, and you're completely right, that there was uh, not really much clarity with respect to the tightening cycle that is to come, presumably, only in 2023 from the minutes themselves. But... Uh, Next, uh, and on the day, it's really about risk aversion, investors worrying about the ability of the global economy to withstand the upcoming tightening from the Fed and indeed what it could do to risk more than anything else. Down the road, however, and one theme that could be still to play out is indeed the theme of the policy mix emerging in the US of loose fiscal and tight monetary, if you wish, whereby the Biden administration is expected to successfully implement its close to four trillion fiscal stimulus package uh, in the fourth quarter of the year, on the back of which the Fed could be emboldened, encouraged to indeed proceed with its uh, tapering at a greater pace than its priced in by the market. So from that point of view, I would expect uh, is that Treasury yields will move somewhat That's higher, it. Not much higher from here. And from that point of that view, that do. should give the dollar a boost,
3: additional boost. So just just, just just let me just one part. Sorry, Karen, for jumping in it. Country raises vast quantity of more debt to pay for unproven infrastructure plan because of crumbling infrastructure equals people like that country more. Yeah. So more debt means we buy that currency.
4: Uh, Well, again, uh, the longer term is always a bit more difficult to uh, really predict and obviously to uh, kind of express using the FX market. This is why the FX investors are... Certainly focusing on the next maybe three to six months. And the story, as has been the case since the COVID pandemic has started, the story has been real about growth. And what the U.S. is doing at the moment, at least, uh, really is to support growth by obviously throwing vast amounts of money uh, at the economy, whether the consequences of that could be more damaging down the road, that remains to be seen. But in the near term, that is likely to boost the U.S. relative growth advantage, its relative rate only yield advantage. And this is why on our side, at least, uh, we like dollar yen higher from here. We like dollar switch higher from here. And uh, I guess that story is only now starting to play out uh, really in earnest. We would expect it to continue in coming months.
1: Uh, Valentin, there could be some important technicals around what you're mentioning there around the pace of a taper, and I thought that was fascinating yesterday. You know, if we think last time round as uh, the taper was enacted, it took ten months. There was some suggestion yes. recently that that pace could be sped up this time round. What could that mean in terms of volatility on markets if we do get a faster taper and it's finally announced?
4: Well, uh, I mean, it could certainly uh, derail parts of the risk rally. I mean, if indeed the Fed uh, does up uh, the uh, taper uh, uh, from here uh, once it announced it I don't think that is in the price and that could uh, potentially uh, really add to concerns that the uh, global economy is not able to handle uh, really a, a faster uh, really pace of removal of that support especially given the spreading of the Delta virus that we are having at the moment so from that point of view I think that may be uh, indeed uh, a the situation where we're going to have market volatility really uh, escalating somewhat uh, further. That said, I also believe that even as the Fed is removing accommodation, they remain cognizant of the likely market impact of any more hawkish uh, communication from here so that any paper from here likely to be more gradual, right? So so essentially, you do have the prospect uh, for potentially more aggressive paper, but that's not only going to come on the back of expectations of faster U.S. growth, on the back of uh, really uh, potentially more aggressive fiscal stimulus from here, which is not necessarily uh, risk-negative.
1: Uh, Valentin can we talk about the timing of uh, any announcement because we're setting up for another Fed meeting in September then we've got one in November Uh, some uh, officials like Garrick Rosengren for instance suggesting he wanted just to see another very strong jobs report before he was ready to announce a taper but what do you think it's going to take because I know other members of the Fed are also concerned about these bottlenecks in supply chains and they want to see what happens uh, with those factors and the impact on inflation what timing would you anticipate for a taper announcement?
4: So my, my personal view is that uh, uh, indeed the Fed is awaiting uh, more clarity on the labor market uh, front and hoping that the Delta variant won't be disrupting the recovery too much. So if indeed payrolls are indeed strong in August, the release during early September, I think in September the Fed could ultimately guide the market or so essentially highlight the fact that before too long uh, in coming months essentially the, uh, the guidance will be there will indeed be tapering. I do not think that they're going to I really use the template from 2013, where in December 2013, they said, OK, from next month we taper. I think they're going to give the markets a bit more time. So I think September is the more likely venue for an announcement that taper will be coming in coming months. But very clear. And the actual taper uh, out person wouldn't expect before January next year, just because the Fed will want to assess the impact of their rhetoric, of the shifting rhetoric they're using, rather than really just dump it on the market and say, OK, you know what, guys, we're starting from now. Uh, we're going to be uh, tapering uh, from here. And I have to say that uh, uh, that was the view for many clients. Uh, really, uh, we were discussing uh, that over the summer. Essentially, the view was that the Fed has very much met its inflation objective, but the labor market uh, was certainly causing uh, some uncertainty there. And that has been resolved, presumably after the last uh, couple of very strong payroll prints. So if August is strong, that will be the case. The one key uncertainty there, and uh, indeed something that has materialised more recently, is the spreading of the Delta variant. We see that in the consumer confidence data. We see the impact in retail sales. That may be a reason that the Fed may have to wait till November. But that is a the, the central case. Still, it would still be a communication in September.
3: Valentin. Uh, just a quick word on this inflation. I, I know I'm perhaps trying to uh, dissect the tautology a bit too much, but yeah. most committee members are now satisfied the inflation goal has been met. So yeah. is that the admission that it wasn't transient all along and it wasn't just base effect, that actually there is real longer term inflation back? If they're satisfied the inflation goal has been met, presumably they don't think, as we've been told all along, they don't now think it was yeah. transient.
4: Uh, well, I think the answer is uh, yes and no, in a sense that uh, at least on our side, what we're expecting at the onset already in April uh, was that the uh, inflation overshoot uh, will likely last uh, well into 2022. Essentially, we're expecting core inflation, in particular core CPI, to remain up uh, or above 2% into April, May 22. And uh, while that was supposed to be Temporary, right? We expected it to then stabilize towards two or even drop a bit into year-end 2022. That transient transient period uh, was expected to be longer than what the Fed was expecting earlier this year. So I think, uh, in a way, they are recognizing that. But equally, if you take uh, that more medium-term outlook, really capturing for the 2022 uh, uh, second half and in 2023. I mean, I don't think that uh, there's much ground uh, really. uh, So there's not a basis to expect inflation to continue to overshoot beyond that period. So I guess what the Fed was trying to communicate there was that they are happy uh, with uh, the medium-term trajectory of the inflation, but they continue to rule out uh, any sustained inflation overshoot, really similar to all other central banks, Bank of England in the same boat. And it's a view that I I would subscribe to. I don't think that uh, inflation... However strong it may be looking now, it would be uh, strong for, for much too long. right? So,
1: Valentin, thank you very much for breaking down the Fed for us today. Valentin Marinov, Managing Director and Head of G10FX Research at Credit Agricole CIB. We're going to have plenty more on central bank action later on today when we speak to Norges bank governor, Oistin Olsen. This is after the central bank's latest decision today. That first on interview is coming up at 13.30 CET. And also ahead on the show, a new Oxford University study looks at how the Delta variant impacts vaccine efficacy and how different vaccines compare. We'll discuss the findings next.
3: Plus, for more on the Fed's potential tapering path, check out the Squawk Box podcast. Welcome back. The U.S. will start offering booster shots of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines from as early as next month as the more contagious Delta variant continues to spread. A joint statement released by medical experts and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said a booster shots will also likely be needed for people who receive the J&J vaccine and that studies are ongoing. Now, the U.S. President Mr. Biden outlined the plan uh, and who is eligible in a speech yesterday.
2: Eight months after your second shot, get a booster shot. These booster shots are free. We'd be able to get the booster shots at any one of approximately 80,000 vaccination locations nationwide. It will be easy. Just show your vaccination card and you'll get a booster. No other ID, no insurance, no state residency requirement. My administration has been planning for this possibility in this scenario for months. We purchase enough vaccine and vaccine supplies so that when your eight month mark comes up, you'll be ready to get your vaccination free and booster shot free and we have it available. It will make you safer and for longer and it will help us end the pandemic faster.
1: Anthony Fauci spoke to our colleagues at NBC News and explained what it means for vaccination campaigns.
5: Well, I don't think that's gonna be the case because of the data we have now, Of when we've done studies with boosters, the level of antibody that has been elevated by that third shot is extraordinary. It goes up at least 10, sometimes 20
0: or more fold. Will this change the meaning of fully vaccinated? Meaning that we're seeing organizations and companies and governments now putting in mandates and they're talking about people who are fully vaccinated. So if you get to that point and you haven't had your third shot, Does that put you in the partially vaccinated category?
5: That's a very good question, Lester. Before I answer that, I want to make sure people understand. Still, the most important thing we need to do is get the unvaccinated people to get their vaccine. It is entirely conceivable that we will determine that actually the proper full component will be the prime followed by the initial boost and then multiple months later, a boost that could actually give you an increase in level as well as an increase of durability. That's entirely conceivable.
0: I have to tell you, it feels a little bit like those folks who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccines are kind of left hanging here. When will they get word of the need for a booster, potentially?
5: It is likely that they will, but right now, the FDA is now looking at the uh, J&J, the approval, and how that would fit in. We're not
0: forgetting at all about the people with J&J. Are you able to look around the corner at what would happen after the Delta variant? And are you able to adjust the vaccines accordingly?
5: Well, you know, one thing that was really interesting, Lester, that when we did the studies on giving a third shot, that third shot boost that we're talking about, it elevated the levels of antibody across the entire spectrum of variants.
0: You think this will break the back of, of the situation we have right now?
5: I hope so, Lester. You know, you never could tell we're dealing with a very wily virus here. But right now, we want to make sure we're ahead of the curve. We don't want to wait until there's a breakdown of protection. And that's the reason why we're doing it now.
1: But the WHO says current data does not indicate booster jabs are widely needed. Its chief scientist has compared the idea to handing out extra life jackets while others drown, warning that high-income countries would need close to one billion extra doses to give boosters to those over 50, and that would leave poorer nations unvaccinated and only leading to more variants. A new study by the University of Oxford has found that while two vaccine doses remains the most effective means of battling coronavirus, their effectiveness is slightly reduced against the Delta variant. The study also compared the longer-term effectiveness of the Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccines. It found that while the former is initially more effective, it also declines faster. Both jabs are estimated to be just as effective after four to five months. It also found that viral loads for the Delta variant are similar among those who have been fully vaccinated and those who haven't, suggesting those who have yet to be jabbed remain vulnerable, even as more of the public gets vaccinated joining us now is Dr. Kuhn Powles, who is a Nuffield uh, Department of po- Population Health University of Oxford. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Let me just ask you about the study and what it means, because I think we've all been hoping for some form of herd immunity on the back of vaccination programs. But what does the study suggest?
6: Uh, yeah, good morning. Um, so uh, I think you already gave a quite a nice summary of uh, what we found. But in terms of your specific question um, around uh, herd immunity, so one of the things we looked at is, um, of course, the protection against infection. And, and we still saw a good protection against infections with and without symptoms, as well as infections with a high or low viral burden. So meaning lots lots of virus or uh, fewer virus particles in the nose and throat. And there is definitely still a reasonable protective effect also with the Delta variant. So, that also means if you prevent infections, you by definition also prevent transmi- onwards transmission. So, every prevented infection is also a group you can't transmit subsequently for uh, to other people. However, among those that do get uh, test positive and do get infected, Uh, With the alpha variant, when that was dominant uh, in December till March, um, we did see a very big difference in the viral load among people that were were vaccinated and those that weren't. So people that were vaccinated, double vaccinated with with one of uh, AstraZeneca or Pfizer, they had a much lower viral load. Uh, than those that were unvaccinated, meaning that they were less, lo- less likely to, to transmit and also less likely to get ill, et cetera. However, with Delta, this became very, as you said before, is very much similar. And although there's no perfect relationship between the amount of virus particles, uh, which we measure using a so-called cycle threshold, uh, using a PCR test uh, with transmission, Um, there are definitely quite a lot of studies that show that the the lower your CT value, which means uh, the more virus you have in your nose and throat, the more likely you're transmitted to more people. Um, So in that sense, although the test doesn't measure how transmissible those particles are, so it is possible that the vaccine actually does intervene with how transmissible it is, or uh, some small studies suggest that it might be cleared faster uh, with vaccinated people. So even if you have the same amount of virus particles at the beginning, it is still possible that the risk of transmission is still re- uh, reduced uh, with uh, vaccination. However, it is something that is a bit concerning that viral loads of the amount of uh, virus in your nose and throat is now much more similar between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. But again, it is important to remind that it does prevent infection, so it still is effective in in preventing transmission as well.
3: Every time I start worrying about this, Doctor Powers, I, I listen to someone like uh, Professor Sarah Gilbert, and I'm, I'm reassured imminently by by the expertise being put into this as well. Um, the, the vaccine and the booster it is not um, a, a fixed face, so to speak. It is a moving face. It, the, the concoction, the, the the potion that you uh, smart people at Oxford and AstraZeneca put into this is changing. So is the actual ingredients or, or actually how this variant, um, uh, this vaccine I- is being created. Is it being tweaked for changes because of the Delta and other variants?
6: So, so people are constantly working on developing new vaccines and thinking about boosters also being able to, um, to protect against uh, new variants that became more common. And it has the potential to to be slightly less uh, or slightly better at evading the immune system. But I think one of the interesting and quite reassuring findings of our studies is that we actually find that uh, prior, in fact, that basically the vaccines are are very effective against uh, the Delta variant, even without tweaking it at the moment. It's slightly reduced, but still uh, much better than what we initially, before vaccines were developed. Uh, we're setting as targets that what they should meet um, but what we also found is that actually um, prior infection in our study with the alpha, uh, alpha variant or other wild type uh, previous variants had a really good protection against um, infection with the delta variant uh, as well and especially among those that are previously infected and double vaccinated, they had a really good protection against uh, the Delta variants, um, followed by those that are double vaccinated and then uh, those that only had um, were unvaccinated but had a prior infection. But the, the study also definitely shows that even if you have, uh, have been infected before and you're partly protected, it's definitely worth getting your uh, two vaccinations because that is still Much better in terms of protection than just the natural
3: infection. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com
1: or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.